Get used to the mantra, all gas, no brakes. We're gonna find passionate people that love the game of football, that they hate losing more than they love winning. Hello and welcome back, everybody, to the Jets Way podcast. As always, it is Jake, Sean, and Lorenzo. But today we have a very special guest, and that is Jake Asman. Jake, it's Jake, Sean, and Lorenzo. What's going on, man? Guys, great to be with you. And, you know, any chance I get to talk Jets, I definitely look forward to. Well, you've uh, certainly been making your rounds this offseason. I feel like every day there's a new tweet from the Jake Asman show of <laughs> – uh, something somebody said about the Sean Watson or Sam Darnold or something like that. So we, we knew we had to get you on uh, to talk more about it because uh, certainly uh, we all have some questions about that. So thanks for joining us again, Jake. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm in a unique position, right? I live in Houston and I'm a diehard Jets fan. So I could speak from the Jet fan perspective and I know kind of what's going on with the Texans and how their fans are handling things and kind of what I hear you know, from being on the beat the last couple of seasons. So it's a very unique dynamic being here, but uh, it's, it's, it's allowed for some good content on the show. So uh, as a talk show host, it's been amazing to have all these Jets storylines become national news. Yeah. Well, well, let's get right into it, all right? So uh, what were your thoughts on the Robert Sala hiring? Was he your first choice? Uh, for once, it seems like the Jets made a choice that didn't receive so much pushback from the national media. So uh, give us your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, anything they did that was not Adam Gase, I think every Jet fan would have been excited about for the most part, right? So I, I like the Salah hire. I'm not going to pretend like I think he's going to be the greatest coach and he was the best guy. I don't know. I can only go off of, you know, what other people have said about him. You know, I, I also was high on Arthur Smith. I like a couple of the other coordinator options that were out there, but I think Salah is the type of coach they need, right? The, the CEO, leader, you know, infectious energy, just coaching the whole team, you know, not just being an offensive or a defensive guy. I, I love the coaching staff that he's been putting together so far. So, you know, I I'm excited about Robert Sala. I thought he crushed his first press conference, which, you know, is not saying much when you compare it to the Gase one from two years ago. But um, I'm, I'm excited. You know, I do I think this guy is going to be a great coach? I have no idea, but there's there's a chance for him to you know, hopefully have success right away if they spend the draft capital the right way and spend the salary cap the right way. So I'm excited to see how it turns out for sure. Hey, Jake, it's Lorenzo here. Um, I just wanted to ask about, you know, you talking more about the coaching staff and kind of your general thoughts on the, the staff that Salah assembled. To me, the big thing is the, the type of offense they're going to run. It, it seems like to have a successful offense in the NFL, more and more teams are, are kind of going with that, you know, Kyle Shanahan, style of offense where it comes from you know Mike Shanahan of course and it's been passed down you look at what the Rams have done they run a version of it now the Niners of course have had success with that offense so for Salah to get a guy like Mike LaFleur who of course comes from Shanahan his brother Matt has had a ton of success through two years as an NFL head coach I just think that's that's huge for you know a team that's likely going to either have you know a rookie at quarterback or maybe someone like Deshaun Watson who's going to have to waive his no trade and agree to play for you so you're going to need to you know, have an attractive offense that he'd want to be in. And, you know, based on everything we've heard, it's a quarterback-friendly offense, easy completions. Um, you look at, you know, the success that Jimmy G and Jared Goff and Matt Ryan and all these quarterbacks that have had some good seasons in their career, but their best seasons came when they were in that type of offense. That's exciting as a Jet fan to know that the Jets are finally going to be able to, you know, have, you know, an, an offensive system that is actually where the NFL is going. You know, Chris Johnson said at Gase's press conference that Gase is coaching football to where it's going. Well. That couldn't have been more wrong. I, yeah. I would hope that, you know, the, the Fleur is actually the one that's 
coaching football to where it's going now on offense. Absolutely. Dope. Uh, hey, Jake, Sean here. Uh, thanks for coming on. So my question was kind of broad. What's your like overall confidence level in uh, Salah and the staff? I'm confident, but I'm also a fan, right? So it's like I, I choose not to be the negative. Oh, it's never, we're never going to win. It's never going to work out because we're Jet fans. I don't look at it that way. You know, the, eventually you got to break through. And it's not like we have not – it's not like we haven't seen the Jets have success before. They went to the AFC Championship game twice with Mark Sanchez at quarterback. So, if you get the right people in place, anything's possible. I like Salah. I like every everything he has said. But I also think I like that hire so much because Joe Douglas was the one who made it. You know, you had a football guy make a football decision. I like the fact that Joe Douglas had no working relationship with Salah before he hired him. It means Salah impressed them so much in the interview that they were willing to take a chance on him and not just take a chance. I mean, he was their guy. They, they wanted to hire him all along after that first interview, it sounds like. So uh, I'm optimistic. I hope that the Jets will finally have a long-term answer at head coach, and then they got to figure out quarterback. I mean, if you're going to win in the NFL, you got to have a good coach. you got to have a good quarterback. That's really where it starts. And I hope they figure out quarterback, and I hope, obviously, Salah ends up being a great coach. Talking with Jake Asman of the Jake Asman Show. Uh, Jake, so the thing that I feel like you're definitely making your rounds the most on is the Deshaun Watson rumors, particularly to the Jets. So let's get the cat out of the bag here. And uh, can you please let our listeners know how big of a deal John McClain is in the Houston media? Because uh, a lot of people uh, of the mainstream sports media, like Adam Schefter, Chris Mortensen, uh, whoever, kind of poured water over the Deshaun Watson to the Jets smoke here. So uh, somebody like John saying that if Deshaun Watson was going to be traded, it would be to the Jets should be significant, but it feels like nobody is making a big deal like they should. Uh, Can you please uh, get into that more? Yeah, absolutely. So kind of just to go into it, you have really two sides here, right? The Schefters and the Mortensons of the world are getting their information from Watson's camp. So that's David Mulligetta, his agent. I mean, that's him or someone in that camp is the one who's sourcing that information to Adam Schefter, whereas McLean is tight with people in the building, ownership on down. So it's two different people that are, or that are, you know, two different sides that are delivering information on what we're hearing. And it's only a select few people that actually know what's going on. So, you know, when I see all these reports every day about Watson, it's not true. Mulligetta came out and said he's not speaking to anyone. And, and, and same thing with the Texans. They've made it clear publicly and privately to anyone that asked that they're not trading him. Now that could change. It's only February and the draft's not till April. But that, that, that's really what's happening here. So when McLean says they're not trading him, but if they were to trade him, it'd be the Jets. He's not just saying that because, he, he, you know, he's just throwing out a team. He's told by someone very high up there that they were not going to trade him. But if we had to, the only team that would make some sense would be the Jets. And it's obvious because the Jets, as I continue to say on national radio every morning, there is not a team that is in better position to acquire Deshaun Watson than the Jets. They have more assets, more draft capital than any team. And Deshaun also, I believe, would waive the no trade to play for them. So now it's just a matter of the Texans being willing to trade them and how many teams are going to be involved in a potential bidding war. And would the Jets be willing to go, you know, to four first-round picks if it came to it? I don't know if it would come to that. I think they could probably get it done with three because you're talking about the second overall pick being in that deal. But when John McClain mentions the Jets, that's significant. doesn't mean it's going to happen. There could be other teams that emerge that outbid the Jets and do something crazy, but that, that is not just a comment that's just being thrown out there, right? John McClain breaks news stories um, in Houston for the last 40 years, right? You look at local reporters with their respective teams. There's probably not a, a beat reporter in the NFL more connected with their team than McClain. You know, you look at New York, you have Rich Samini, Brian Costello, Connor Hughes. 
McLean's at a different level as far as the access he has to information that comes out of the Texans fan base. So that's the best way I could try and describe it. McLean is as connected as any reporter would be with their respective local team in the NFL. Yeah, and another thing I wanted to ask was, um, you know, where do you think Deshaun Watson put, could potentially go in terms of, of, you know, this trade? Is it, you know, basically the team who offers the most, or do you think he has a say in where he wants to go next? He definitely has a say because he has the no trade. It just comes down to this, you know, how badly does he want to leave Houston, right? If it's just about just getting out of here, well, then I don't know if he'd veto any team, right? If he really wants to leave that bad, he wants to make his money, right? He's going to get the big money part of his extension start to kick in this year. So if he just wants to get paid, he'll take any team that would trade for him. So I don't know if he'd veto that many teams. Uh, if it's about going to a team that he, you know, thinks gives him the best chance to win, well, that that could complicate things because then he could dictate, you know, only a certain amount of teams he'd want to go to, right? I mean, if he's going to go to the Jets, he would have to feel comfortable with Robert Sala and Joe Douglas putting the right pieces around him where the Jets could be a, you know, a championship caliber team, you know, can be competing for the playoffs. I think that if the Jets added Deshaun Watson, they would have a great chance of being a playoff team in year one. I don't care about the Jets' 2-14 and 14 record. I see Deshaun Watson and know how good he is and the cap space and the picks the Jets have. And I think with just competent coaching this past year, the Jets were a lot better than just a two-win team. So I kind of ignore the record with the Jets and look at some of the, the pieces there. But that's, you know, but if Deshaun Watson's available, you know, that's the job of Douglas talking to Watson's camp. That's the job of Salah talking to Watson's camp. And hopefully, you know, the Texans then would give Watson permission to speak directly with teams. Like, that, that, that is why you need to get the coaching higher right and the GM higher right, because those two guys are going to be directly responsible for Watson feeling comfortable enough to waive a no trade if the Jets are the team that makes the, the, the best offer to Houston. Yeah. So there's a lot of mock trade ideas out there. So I'm just going to ask you, if you were Joe Douglas, how far would you go in a Deshaun Watson pursuit? If I had to give up all four ones over the next two years, I'd do it. If, but with the caveat being, if – that if the Jets don't do it, he'd be a Dolphin. Like, you cannot allow this guy to go to the Miami Dolphins. If you're the Jets, you need to make sure that he is your quarterback. Either he's going to be in the AFC, he's playing for you, or he's not. That's how you have to look at it, right? Or he's playing for the Texans, or he goes to the Niners, or somewhere else. Like, you, you can't let this guy go to Miami when you already have Josh Allen in your division. Now you have Bill Belichick. Eventually, you think they'd figure it out. They're not just going to, you know, fall off a cliff in New England, despite what I think we all want to see happen up there. So if you're the Jets – you have to be aggressive. But I think the advantage the Jets have is that second overall pick. Like, even though Miami has the third pick in the draft, it seems like no matter who's picking second overall, it's going to be a quarterback, right? Probably Zach Wilson. It seems like it's trending. So you're giving the Texans, uh, you know, a chance to reset their, their, their team, basically. Start their rebuild by drafting a franchise quarterback. Any deal they make with a team that's not the Jets, there's uncertainty on what they're going to do at quarterback, right? If they trade with the Niners, they're getting what? a pick that's in, you know, the, or the early teens, right? They trade with, I don't know, I'll throw the Patriots out there, 15th overall. They're not going to be able to get a quarterback with that pick. And then all these future ones you would be acquiring, well, guess what? They'd be in the late 20s because Deshaun's going to take you deep into the playoffs. So that's why the Jets make the most sense because you're giving them the second overall pick. And then if they really want to start the rebuild in year one, you give them the Seattle pick as well if that's what it takes. And then next year you give them another one. And I think three ones and some twos and mixing some other draft picks could probably get it done because that's how valuable that second overall pick is. And by the way, this is before the Jets likely get a late one or maybe a two for Sam Darnold. So they could recoup some of the draft capital by trading Sam 
because they're going to have Deshaun Watson. So if I'm Joe Douglas, I, I wouldn't say I'd give up everything. Like, I don't think I'm doing four first-round picks in Quinn Williams, but I don't think it would take that. I think three ones, some twos, and some threes, and kind of mix and match the picks there would probably get it done when it's all said and done. Times like these are where I wish the guy you just interviewed, Mike Tannenbaum, was still our general manager because if Mike T was still the general manager, there's no doubt in my mind we would have Deshaun Watson right now. It, you might not have much else, though. You know, I had him on my show last <laughs> week, and he gave the uh, four ones in Quinn Williams, and I'm like, ah, I do four yeah. ones. I'm going to trade Quinn and two? I don't know about that. I always – well, I don't know if you remember, but when, remember when the Jets were rumored to be in on Jay Cutler and they wanted David Harris back and, uh, you know, a whole bunch of draft picks, and Mike Tannenbaum didn't make the trade. So uh, that's something I always think about there. So – you kind of talked about it a little bit with the last point you made. I just wanted to ask you, where do you think Sam Darnold ends up next season? And what exactly is his price tag? Is he going to net the Jets a first round pick? Is it more of a two and a four? Uh, what are you thinking there? Uh, so, we could get. Yeah, I, I think Sam's situation is complicated. What I actually think could happen here is the Jets might get a one for Sam, but it's not going to be a, a, a traditional like, oh, here's a first round pick. You give us Sam. I can see something happening where the Jets trade Sam Darnold. Let's use, let's use the Colts as an example. The Colts have the 21st overall pick. And the Jets would trade Sam for the 21st overall pick, but they would also have to include a third-round pick or something, right, to try and, like, smooth over the value a little bit. So I don't think it's going to be – you know, if the Sam goes for a late one or a one, whatever Schefter has put out there, I don't know if it's just going to be, like, a one for Sam Darnold. The Jets might have to give up something else, as like a, like a mid-round pick, just to try and even out the value – uh, a little bit, but I think a, a really good thing for the Jets is that Stafford went to the Rams because that was a team that was not expected to be able to improve their quarterback spot. We all know they were not in love with Goff by the end of it, but no one thought they'd be able to move on from his contract. So the fact that they got Stafford, that that eliminated you know a, a, a quarterback option for all these teams that are now in on Sam Darnold. Right? We hear about Washington in on Sam. We hear about the Colts in on Sam. Chicago in on Sam. You know, where Carson Wentz ends up we're all, we're, will also impact Darnold. So any of those teams I just mentioned make some sense. Um, I would like to see Sam maybe go to New Orleans. They have the 28th overall pick. So you talk about a late one. That's about as late as it could be for a team that probably is going to end up needing a quarterback if they don't re-sign Jameis Winston. Yeah, and Jake, you mentioned you're, you're a huge Jets fan, um, especially after watching the Super Bowl and kind of seeing Pat Mahomes struggle a little bit with the banged-up offensive line. If you were running this team, how would you attempt to build this Jets roster, you know, after watching the Super Bowl? I, I, they need everything, guys. You know, use free agency, use the draft. You know, I, I, Joe Douglas, I take, I take pride in the fact that he was a former offensive lineman in college. So I think that helps. But, you know, use free agency. I mean, they got to be aggressive. You know, obviously you have Mekhi Becton at left tackle. You feel great about that. So that's a, that's a huge thing you can check off the box. But, you know, Joe Tooney's out there in free agency. I, I, the, the guy on the Packers whose name is escaping me, their center, I believe, is a free agent as well. Like, there, there are some names. It, it's tough to build your team through free agency, but I think you could, you could find some pieces here or there, and then you use some of your draft capital on getting some offensive linemen. I actually don't think the Jets' line was as bad as maybe people thought it was this past year. You know, when Flacco played, we saw them, you know, really take some chances downfield, and, and he had time to throw, and, and he's a stiff in the pocket. Like, I don't think the Jets' line was bad. It's not great, but I think when they actually ran the ball to the left side, you saw holes open up because of Becton all the time. So uh, they need some pieces there for sure, but I don't think it's as dire of a need as some think. I think just better quarterback play will certainly help, and a better offensive scheme will help the offensive line in general. Um, I know you just named a few players, but who do you think the Jets will 
try to like have their as their main targets in uh free agency. I hope they sign Allen Robinson. I, I want a number one proven go-to wide receiver. If you get him and Deshaun Watson's on the team, look out. Matt Denzel Mims on the outside, Crowder in the slot. All of a sudden, you know, the Jets will be cooking on offense. That'd be nice. So I'd love to see Allen Robinson. If they don't sign Allen Robinson, I saw you know Jeremy Fowler of ESPN link them to Junior Smith-Schuster. I don't love it, but at least he's an upgrade over what they've had. I, I would take someone like him, but – you know, to me, A-Rob's got to be the guy. Chris Godwin would be great if they could get him away from Tampa. So there's some options out there. Kenny Galladay looks like he'll be available. So they got to be aggressive. They have this cap space for a reason. You know, it's time to invest in offensive skill players. It's time to give whoever the quarterback is, even if it's Sam, and they're going to roll the dice with Sam for another year. You got to give them some playmakers. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous how long the Jet fan has had to go without watching competent players on offense. Well, Jake, uh, we share more than just a uh, first name because I was saying all last week how Allen Robinson should be our main target in free agency because I'm sick and tired of hoping and praying that the people we draft that are usually never any good at the wide receiver position turn into number one wide receivers. So let's just go out there and get the same th- uh, the real thing right away. Um, I want Sticking with the draft, I wanted you to rank the following quarterback prospects because a lot of people have their rankings all over the place. Uh, obviously, there's Trevor Lawrence, the undisputed number one. But then you have Justin Fields, Zach Wilson at BYU, and even Trey Lance. And then there's Mac Jones, who all of a sudden is being rumored to be a top 10 pick, possibly. Who knows? So where do you exactly rank all of those guys? And who do you think is the best fit for this Jets offense with them picking at two? Because we kind of assume that this is probably the end of the line for Sam Darnold. I know you definitely agree with that point, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it, it's so tough. I mean, I, I haven't watched these guys play enough. You know, I, Trey Lance didn't play this year, played one game. You know, Mac, Wils- uh, Mac Jones, excuse me, was great at uh, Bama, but it's tricky when you're on that team and you have those offensive linemen in front of you and you have all these great players. I mean, Devontae Smith is open on every play. So it's like, it's tough to evaluate a quarterback. I think if I'm going to rank them, of course, Lawrence will be one. I think there's a gap. And then it's, it, it seems like Zach Wilson is trending towards being the second guy taken. It just seems like that's where we're headed here. I saw McShay mocked him to number two now. So I think, you know, we're kind of seeing as more, more of these quote unquote experts evaluate the talent that it seems like the pecking order is going to end up being Lawrence one gap, uh, Zach Wilson two. And then it seems like even after that, there's a debate on just how far down Justin Fields would be. And, And Fields to me is the most fascinating prospect in this draft class, the beginning of the year, there was some talk about him challenging Trevor Lawrence for the top guy. Then he had a couple of bad games against Northwestern and Indiana when they were dealing with injuries and COVID issues, and people were down on him. He responds with an incredible game. We all watched it against Clemson, where he showed toughness coming back from injury and a deep ball potential like Russell Wilson. And we elevated him again to the clear-cut number two guy. And then he had an okay national championship game. His team got blown out by the better team. And now it seems like Zach Wilson is all the rage. So this is going to change so many times. It'd be silly for me to rank it because I just don't know. I didn't watch enough of, I didn't watch enough Zach Wilson this year even. He played at BYU, right? I didn't watch any Trey Lance. I watched Mac Jones because he played at Bama. But what does that mean? So it, it, it's fascinating. And, you know, it does look like it's one of those drafts where you could see four or five guys go in round one for sure. Yeah. And I wanted to, you know, keep talking about the draft here. Um, are there any guys at 23 that you're looking at that you're like, you know what, I want to draft that guy and I want him on the Jets. I want offensive players, man. I want skill position players. Like if Travis Etienne is there, go get him, man. Get playmakers. You win in the NFL with points. Enough of this. Oh, you got to build through the trenches and play great. 
yeah, defense is important, but the Jets don't score points. So get offensive players. If it's another wide receiver at 23, whoever that is, do it. This is a loaded wide receiver class as well. I had a draft expert on the show the other day, and he said there could be seven or eight guys that are first-round potential guys. Like this last year's class was loaded with wide receiver talent. This year's class is also loaded with talent. So I don't really care what the Jets do at 23. It just better be a player on offense. Like if they're going to go quarterback at two, assuming Watson is not on the team, then use the 23rd pick to get the best offensive player, whoever it is in that spot, because they need players that can help them score points. That's how you win in the NFL. They need dynamic skill players. So would you, um, hate a strong word, but would you dislike, like, let's say an edge at 23? I guess it depends who the player is. It, it, it's tough. I, I would just like to see the Jets finally invest on the offensive side of the ball like enough of the you know nose tackles in the first round enough of the Darren Lees of the world like give me skilled position players score points wide receiver running back if it's offensive line I could live with that as well if they draft a good guard or a center or a tackle so be it but I just think they need to invest in offense you know of course they need an edge rusher as well but you know if they if they love a guy at 23 sure I'm okay with it that but I, I just want them to have good offensive players I just I get so frustrated when I watch all these teams in the NFL loaded with talent and the Jets are throwing the guys that belong on teams practice squads and they're starting caliber wide receivers like I, I don't ever want to watch Braxton Berrios catch another pass like I'm tired of that get let's let's get some real offensive weapons on this team for whoever the quarterback is so a guy that we talked a lot about about at the 23rd overall pick is Aziz Ojolari he kind of fits the whole Darren Lee undersized outside linebacker role. So that's, that's a guy who I guess Jake Asman's not going to like there. Uh, so what would if you do? If he's good, about- I'll like him. Look, I'll be the first to admit, like if he's a great player, I'll buy his Jersey. I'm all, I'm all for it. I just, I just, I want to see them score points. It's like, it's like the, the jet fan. That's like, Oh, well we, we, we can't get Deshaun Watson. We have, we have so many holes. Like we're not, it's like, no, you get Deshaun Watson because he's a quarterback. He's top five in the sport. And then you figure out the rest after that. It's not that hard. You need to score points. He's great. Get him. Like, yeah, you need yeah. offensive players. Draft them. And I think Joe Douglas gets that. So, I'm excited about that opportunity. Yeah. I hated the Makai Becton pick at the time. Um, I didn't want him, but I guess Which it worked out. I wanted Jerry Judy. That was yeah. my guy at the last draft. I thought – I still think he's going to be a great player. I think that situation for him in Denver was not ideal. I hated the Quinn – I don't like a lot of the Jets picks. They usually don't pick guys that I want. So, um, hopefully this year uh, we break the trend. So, just – Let's just say, gun to your head, who's the starting quarterback for the Jets next year? Deshaun Watson, Sam Darnold, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields. Uh, I hope not Trey Lance or Mac Jones. So, of those guys, based on what you've been hearing, the people you talk to on your show in general, who do you think? Is, is Deshaun Watson really that likely to be the Jets quarterback next year, or do you really think ultimately they're going to take a quarterback at two? I think it's probably 50-50 real, uh, that, they, wow. that, they get, that they get Watts. And I, I feel like they have a really good chance to get him. I really do. But I, I'm just I'm – not, I'm not confident and gun to my head saying Watson just because there's so many factors that have to happen for that. So I feel more comfortable saying Zach Wilson or Fields. I'll go with Wilson because you're going to pin me to an answer. So I'll say Wilson. But my preference is Deshaun, and I think the Jets have as good of a chance as any team in the league to get him if the Texans do trade him. Yeah, Jake, I kind of wanted to ask about um... – kind of some free agent guys out there. Uh, I know A.J. Boye just got cut. Um, do you think, you know, guys like that who are getting cut from other teams, um, do you think some of the guys like that would be, um, you know, favorites for, favorites for the Jets? 
Yeah, absolutely. When, when you have all this cap space, you got to spend it. So, you know, it could be a guy like Patrick Peterson, even. I mean, the Jets need help in, in their secondary. It's no secret. So I think either one of those guys would make some sense for the Jets. Richard Sherman makes some sense as well because of the Robert Sala connection. When Rex Ryan first got hired, he brought in a bunch of Ravens guys to help set the culture and lay the foundation. When he got to the Jets, I could see Sala bringing some of his guys with him from the Niners to kind of, you know, establish a culture and, you know, set the new identity for the team. And, and Sherman's a big character guy, big type of, you know, a big voice, leadership, all that. So I think he could make some sense for the Jets. But they, they, they need some veteran leadership and they need, they need players, man, on both sides of the ball. Like there's not that many positions where you look at the Jets roster and go, yep, they're set there. It's very few. So more guys that could play the better, basically, is how I look at it from a free agent standpoint. Yeah, so with the – cap number dropping next year because of covid and there's teams that are that were already projected projected to be over do you see any um surprising players springing loose i've been asked that before i really haven't looked you know i have not really put the due diligence in to see like who could be like a a quote-unquote cat cap casualty i think there'll be some names but i don't think we're gonna see like just star players being let out of their deal like i don't think it's gonna get that crazy like yeah the cap's going down a little bit but it's still gonna be higher than what they thought it was gonna be right they said it would be around 175 million now it's gonna be over 182 million so there, I, I think the NFL is still going to be fine. I don't think we're going to get, you know, a bunch of superstars that just get released because teams can't afford them. I think it will probably be, you know, more like the fringe star, you know, kind of like season vet type of players that we see, you know, potentially be released. Jake, it's interesting because when Adam Gase was the coach of the Miami Dolphins, when he kind of sprang loose from there, we started to see guys like Kenyon Drake, Mike Kosicki, the list goes on and on. Even Damian Williams, who used to play for Adam Gase in Miami, turned out to help the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl. Is there any players on this roster who you don't really think – because I say it all the time to these guys. I think Chris Herndon, there still could be a player in there with him. Like, who do you see on this Jets offense who could be better than a lot of us think? I personally hope it's Denzel Mims. Hopefully he steps up to be the team's number two receiver at least next year. Who are you really thinking could take – that next step forward next year with their development that Gase was kind of holding back. Yeah. So Hernan comes to mind as well. I was so high on him going into this year. Cause remember how good he was with Sam at the end of his rookie year. And then he didn't play last year because of injuries and this year he stunk. So I'm kind of out on Herndon. I would love to see him be a player next year, but who knows? I think Mims is going to be good. Like I think he was pretty good as a rookie this year. The problem was he, he was injured twice with the hamstring injuries. He had the family incident, so he left the team. And he had the worst offensive coach in football responsible for you know, designing a game plan that never got him the ball. Like when Darnold or Flacco looked at Mims, he made some impressive plays. They just need to get him the football more. You know, I had Denzel Mims actually on the radio show last week. And, you know, without saying it, he kind of was like, man, I need to get the ball more. And I'm like, yes, yes, you do. Every Jet fan wants them to throw you the ball. Like, he's got talent, man. Like, Denzel Mims reminded me of Des Bryant when he was at Baylor. So, like, that's the type of player I think the Jets could have if they get him the football and he gets another year to grow. I think he's a guy that could have a big, big second season uh, with the Jets and first season in that Shanahan LaFleur offense they're going to be running. Yeah, and I'm a big I'm a big fan of Mims too. Um, just sticking on the the group of wide receivers, uh, Jamison Crowder. Uh, if we cut him, we would save ten million dollars. I know you mentioned him uh, previously. Um, do you see that as a, as a, a move the Jets make by cutting him? I think they should keep him. You know, I, I think his contract's only guaranteed for one more year. I would keep him. I think he's a good player. You know, it doesn't really matter who the quarterback is. He's always open in the slot. Like they, you know, is he overpaid? Of course he is. But basically, anyone McCagan signed during that 2019 offseason got a ridiculous contract, C.J. Mosley, Le'Veon, the, you know, the list goes on and on. But 
he, he's still a contributor. Like, he's a good player. And, you know, we've seen him. You know, if they stick with Sam, I think he'd definitely bring him back because he has good chemistry with Darnold. But I, I just think if you're the Jets, he's one of your few, like, reliable pass catchers. Yeah, he's making a lot of money, but at least you know what you have with him. I'd bring him back. Yeah. And since you're in uh, Houston, this is kind of a good uh, last question from me. What's, like, the overall feeling right there uh, from Texans fans right now? <laughs> Anger, doom and gloom, <laughs> both the franchise. A lot of what we feel. <laughs> yeah, it's just – it's kind of crazy, right? I mean, in the last calendar year for Houston sports, you've had every head coach and GM either be fired or resigned. Like, it's just been insane – what's happened to these teams. When I first got here in 2018, the Astros were the defending champions. The Texans had Deshaun Watson. They went to the playoffs for two straight years. The Rockets pushed the Warriors to game seven of the Western Conference Finals, and, and people thought they could, you know, contend with Golden State following that season. And, you know, look look at all the, the superstar players that have left town over the last, like, year. You know, the Houston sports fan has had to watch, right? I mean, Chris Paul's gone. James Harden's gone. Obviously, Russell Westbrook is gone. You know, Sean Watson could be gone. But before that, you had George Springer and Garrett Cole now. You know, both are gone. So the list goes on and on with Houston sports stars. I didn't even mention, you know, DeAndre Hopkins or Jadavian Clowney. So it's just been crazy what's happened to the city the last, like, year, year and a half as far as, you know, the different storylines that have mostly been negative for the Houston sport fan. Jake Asman, everybody. And, uh, Jake, you've been absolutely crushing it this offseason uh, with NFL coverage. Thank you for that, and thank you for joining us today. Is there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners? Where could they, where could they go find your work, uh, follow you at, and just uh, get into that before we uh, part ways here? Sure. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me, fellas. My uh, Twitter and Instagram is just my name, at Jake Asman. That's A-S-M-A-N. And the radio show, 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday on Sports Map Radio. And for everybody else, this was another episode of the Jets Way Podcast. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you can, and subscribe. Jake, hopefully we see you again soon, my man. Good, good talking to you. Absolutely, Thank you, man. Guys. Thank hopefully, you, Jake. Uh, Thank you. Watson's a Jet next time we talk. I hope so. I <laughs> love hope so. It.